You are watching Cable 10, Aurora, Illinois, Community Access Channel. Hello, carnies, and welcome to our latest edition of Sideshow, where we break down, once again, the Paul Lynn Halloween special. Part 7. <laughs> this couple days after Halloween, so everybody should be waking up from a sugar coma now. Or, or, or not. I, I, I'm not ready to be up. But this is Jacques. I'm Joe. And today we have our friend Jonathan. Hi. So Jonathan, we've run into recently, is the end-all and be-all of Arlington Cable. <laughs> Isn't that your title on the card? What is the exact title? I thought it said King of All I Survey. I thought it said Second Coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, God's Other Son. I think my coworkers might think that's what I want to put on my card sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I'm the production manager at Arlington Community Media. We'll give a little backstory to how Joe and I became friends in the first place, or how we came to know each other, I think. Yeah, this is sort of an origin story for us. You know, I think friends are pushing. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I, I had a band, and I found out that this is way back in like the early 90s, about a magazine that tracked music video play, like music video play. It was a spinoff of um, CMJ, the College Music Journal. Mm-hmm. And I was a film major uh, at a school that we'll get to in a bit. And <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I had access to great film equipment. And luckily our band had a couple people who were really working professionals in the film industry in Boston. A guy, Greg Narkunis, who you know sadly passed away you know, uh, about maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, but he owned the best 16-millimeter cameras. In, in, in the entire state, and that's not an exaggeration. He had a company that rented them. On weekends, he would shoot real music videos for us, it, which was funny. We didn't have money to go into a studio and do like proper demos and recordings, but we had the best music videos in the city of Boston at the same time. Bands like Dinosaur Jr. and the Pixies are putting out videos. Our videos are looked great. Who the hell's going to see them? So somebody told me about cable access. So I started a cable access show out of Lexington and became part of the charting services where weekly you had to put in your playlist and all this stuff. And I was able to find out like all the record labels would send you tons. Like every week I would get 30 music videos. We would only play two or three, three or four. And we did the show every other week. But I had all these three quarters that I would then tape our stuff on call all the other access things first around Massachusetts and then around New England and around the country and say, hey, you know, I, I played in the band under one name, managed under the other, and said, hey, I produce this show, there's this band I like. I kept our videos short, so they were only like, there were all these punk songs that were 60 seconds, 90 seconds long. It's like, hey, can you just roll the credits over them as long as you reported it? And we started getting... You know, reported like as a top ten video on a regular basis, and on the and the label people who are friends with us like, how are you guys? <laughs> you don't have an album, and you're charting in the video world. And then while I was doing that, uh, the guy who ran the station, the U of of Lexington back then, says, "Hey, there's these kids trying to get this show off the ground. Never did, and and uh, <laughs> and it's pretty good. Uh, you want to, you know, check in on what they're doing and see, you know, if you got any suggestions. And then that's how I met the young Joseph. Yeah, my friend Jim, who we all know and love from this podcast. Myself, to know him is to love him. Thank you, and to uh, love him." No. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim, myself, and another uh, friend of ours named Steve, we had a show back in 94 
on Lexington Public Access. We called it formal. Actually, Jim called it formal edition. That was Jim's um, one contribution to the show ever. Is just naming the show. It, it, Jim was a big boy band um, fanatic, and I think the kind of the formal edition was a kind of a you know trying to get that new kid. Right, like not not quite wanted. new edition, not quite uh, form- Frankie Bunch. Right, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Funky Bunch. Right, yeah. right, right. But uh, so we uh, we tried to do sketch comedy. It was more like a sit down panel show with some guests, um, not unlike what we're doing now. now. But uh, actually, we were a lot less polished then. It was part pre-canned sketches that we would do, mm-hmm. and part of it, like, honestly, Joe was much younger than me, and, and we would just get to the studio before the other guys and look at the paper, kind of like we do now, like, before we start a podcast. What's going on on Twitter? What it, what it blowed us do? Let's talk about that. But we had a news segment, and it was a lot... You shouldn't have that much fun. You know what I mean? And we did. We And I don't know how many episodes... 20. I came in on episode three or four, four or five. Right, right. And then we, you know, the Misty's Kitchen ended up getting, I I don't know if syndicated is the right word, but all the other cable stations around the state were like, can we use this? Can can we get con? Like yeah, yeah the syndication. It it was great. And it started to go all through, like 26 different stations we ended up sending tapes to. So Did you mention that Misty's Kitchen was the name of the show? Uh, Misty's Kitchen was the name of the, the video show uh, after my dog, Misty, at the time. Um, one of the best opening credit sequences, I gotta say, in the history of cable access. Uh, but it was a lot. It was so much fun. And the music show helped me um, get my band to L.A. And the comedy show actually opened some doors out there. And, you know, uh, Joe came out to L.A. at one point, and now we had a lot of, you know, we're not going to get to name-dropping things, but we had legit celebrities do our skits, do our show, real people like, you know, in the production world. Butch Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Charles Nelson Riley. Oh, I wish. Um, so, So it's funny that the cable access thing led to a real... A, a real career outside of the area. I got Joe out there too. And like I said, it's funny that, you know, we we circle back, you know, I'm back here for the first time in like 20 plus years. Joe and I decided, well, let's do something. You know, do we start doing stand up? Do we do a sketch show? And we're like, oh, we're kind of old and lazy. What's the path to least <laughs> resistance? Like, let's right. do a podcast. But then a lot of people, friends and friends of friends, wanted guests to come on because they don't want to hear Joe's voice, and they really don't want to hear my voice. So they're like, <laughs> you should fill some time with other people. One, one person, my sister said, hey, I just read this book. I've seen this local comedian, great guy, a working comedian, like not a household name. And it, you know, she said, oh, you know, I, I know I have Steve's number. I can put you in touch. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, let me look the guy up. Mm-hmm. Look the guy up, and the first clip that came up was from your show, one of the shows at your station that you mm-hmm. work on. And... Truly, I'm like, this isn't cable access in 1993 out of Lexington. Right. First of all, it's in widescreen. <laughs> yeah. <Second>. And, and <laughs> HD. You're right. Uh, studio, like a, 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 a real studio audience. I mean, I mean, yeah, sure. We have our own studio <laughs> audience. I mean, that's that's not really that hard to do. Oh, I should but, get one of those for the studio. <laughs> but, but, but really, it's, uh, it, I, I, w- I was amazed. It was the production quality and then... 
like anything else on YouTube, the the link you fall down the rabbit hole next to it. It's like it takes you to the next clip from the show and the next clip. It's like, wait a minute, they had Lenny Clark, yeah, uh, a band that we've had on our show, The Rationals. It's like they have the Rationals, and I was truly blown away. So we reached out. Jonathan made the mistake of answering the phone and telling us we could come and have a look around, and that brings you to our humble abode. Uh, well, I'm very glad to be here. And now let's get into your journey from uh, now. I I went. Don't want to brag. Fitchburg State College, which at the time was the largest state college in the town of Fitchburg. Not, <laughs> not a lot of people know that. And you went to? You know, I went to Fitchburg State College, uh, but then I graduated from Fitchburg State University. Right, right. See, Were you able to transfer the credits over? Or <laughs> <was it? laughs> I, yeah, I, I would say it was easy. but uh, <laughs> mm. so, so, you know, we found that, oh, we had a, a lot in common, and then we talked yeah. more and more. So we wanted Jonathan to come in and basically bring us up to speed on... Like the workings of a station and how things have changed since like Wayne's World and our our little experience right. to where you are now. Yeah, well, community media, as we like to call it these days, has grown up from the um, cable access or public access most people think of. Um, and actually, if you think about YouTube and the internet um, and even Twitter and Facebook, video has only gotten more and more important and larger and people are kind of stepping away from those large media conglomerates to form their own personal brands, to share their own stories, connect with people on a personal level. And that's what community media has done since the beginning. So um, it's really great that community media has actually grown with the advent of the internet and all these YouTube streaming sites because there's more of, de- there's more of a demand. Uh, we can provide better technology. We can train people in media literacy, essentially. Because there's one thing to watch media as, as an audience and really enjoy what you're watching and just accepting it. It's a whole nother thing to, to really translate your ideas and translate your um, sort of personality for the television medium. You know, it's the good and the bad. It's like the barrier to entry is not there. Right. You know, like it used you used to have to to get your message out there, be it a band, be it a musician, be it any any uh, just a personality. But now between Twitter, YouTube and all that stuff, but the thing is there's still a difference between, you know, two jerks in a basement with a couple microphones <laughs> and an absolute studio that has your Skype wall, your Kai running. I mean, when your productions and, and truly when we went in, we saw the other things that, you know, uh, Jonathan has going on there. You can't tell the difference just looking up at the screen if it's MSNBC up there, you know, between the eye candy and all the extras. Right. I mean, it's a $2 million studio. You have tons of resources and equipment. I mean, everything from professional lighting to monitors, as you mentioned, chroma key, which has always been fun and a little corny, but it's great. (laughs) It's great. great. YouTube uses it a lot. So, you know, the convention's kind of coming back in style (laughs) with abstract backgrounds, Um, professional microphones. And really, I think... More so than any of the equipment and the thing that makes community access centers really special is the training that people come in and the community that's built around it. It's not just you're not just by yourself. You're not just kind of walking in with equipment, trying to figure it out on your own, learning over many years. You really come on. You, you get in and you get onboarded really fast. And our first priority is to help you make a pilot, help you structure. What's your show going to be? How is it going to look? Let's get people together to help you make it. Let's get you connected with other people. Um, it's not just a place to rent equipment it's really a place to find a home and build a creative community and has that been like that since you've been there or is that something that you've helped evolve 
that has been something I've um, been really passionate about. Arlington has always been a really great creative town. As you know, it's a large it's a large town. It's big enough to be a city, but they've decided to stay a town. We're actually um, an arts, uh, cultural uh, station in Massachusetts now. That's, that's pretty recent. And when I arrived at Arlington Community Media, um, it's about four and a half years ago at this point, we had a great community of, of media makers and, and filmmakers and producers and, and talent. Um, but one thing I really wanted to do when I got there is really make it more of a community. So I started a group called Studio Nights, and it meets on Wednesday nights. It's basically an adult film camp. And people come together. We, we have free pizza at 6.30. Um, people network. We kind of get people in touch who might have similar ideas or different ideas that could work together really well. And then every week we make a different show. So one night we could be uh, making a newscast, the next night doing stop animation, the next night doing a talk show. And really um, by having that, it gives a way for people to come in, join something right away, become part of a group, have an identity make some friends. And that's really the important thing, is, as you two know, like when you have a, a buddy to make media with, it's, it's so much fun. So much more. Now, what, what, was, what was the project that you, got, uh, you jumped on with? Well, when we went to visit Jonathan uh, for our first time at the Arlington um, Media uh, Studio, I noticed on the wall this Back to the Future poster, but it looked like an, like an advertisement for something that was happening. I was, it wasn't just a regular Back to the Future poster. And what it was, I guess... Arlington Media was one of the collaborators of a larger consortium called Crowdsourced Boston, which which I guess was doing their second project um, two years in a row. Last year, they had done Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. This year, they were doing Back to the Future, and the concept was that different media centers or filmmakers would contribute a scene to the reenacting a scene or recreating a scene from the movie Back to the Future, Uh, and then they would just pool all the scenes together and splice them together and edit it into one long, basically shot-for-shot remake of Back to the Future. Uh, So I and my son were uh, kind of just, uh, you know, helping out with uh, camera work, uh, audio... Um, you also knew every line and every beat by heart. So Wait, you've we, seen that crea- before. You, you, you were familiar with the work. So creative consultant, creative yeah. consultant. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned. I mentioned the uh, the project, and I think you had a Back to the Future T shirt on that day. <laughs> right, I left my Back to the Future socks in the dryer that day. They, I think if you look around here, there's yeah, there's, there's a, a Back to the Future Delore, shelf. There's a shelf, like a whole. It's all. not just a DeLorean. It's a shelf of DeLorean. Right, it's like four or five DeLoreans. <laughs> but so I was very enthusiastic to jump in on. And help out any way I could on that project. So I helped like edit and you know, but it was a lot of fun and and it uh, you know yeah just kind of introduced me back into the world of video media creation because you know I took the needle off the record in 1997 <laughs> when you know I think we were still using SVHS tapes. What and then, and that, that was a big that, deal when it went from three quarters to SVH. Right. I still have the three quarter master tapes of our old show from 94. You no, know, we do band. have an archive station. So if you wanted to come in and remaster those and, and put them up, you could, we could ha- you could do a like mystery science theater remix of your show. <laughs> <laughs> I might take you up on that. We might want to do that. We may want to archive the our show. The public might want to burn it. <laughs> right. Because, exactly, right. you, know, you know, it's funny because we still, you know, we have a friend. Who was at the time a professor at Harvard that we spoofed on a show? Mm. Because it was syndicated, like people at Harvard, his friends <laughs> saw it all in Cambridge, and, oh and here God. it is twenty years later, and our friend Ross will still be like, "Oh, how's that show Physics Today going?" They'll still, you know, You're right? Um, a biweekly show for the serious physicist. Um, I, I'm not. I won't do justice. 
just quickly tell Jonathan what the premise of the show was. Oh, I came up with a premise where <laughs> it was a sketch where you would have this panel show called Physics Today, and mm-hmm. you would have a, a moderator and uh, t- you know two members of the physics community debating or just talking about the latest in physics. And one would be, you know, a renowned uh, physicist, Ross. Um, Dr. Ross Salowich, uh, played by me. And then, of course, we would have a, an opposing view, which in this case was a rerun of Alice. The TV show Alice. <laughs> oh, so it's just like, yeah. it, it, it was a total, yeah. yeah. The look on Jonathan's face is exactly the look you usually get when you explain a skit that Joe and I did. Right. Like, most, most there were so many skits that we would do that Joe would pitch. <laughs> That just sounded horrible. And then, and then you do, I'm like, okay, that's fun. And then there's sometimes like I would come up with an idea and I'm like, I don't even want to say the words out loud that I want to put in a skit. I, and I want I would just say, you stand here, we do this, and we'll cut it together. Trust me, it will be awful, but there might be a, <laughs> a semblance of comedy. But that was one of the ones that it's like, I, I, I'm very proud of that one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, mostly because we got to incorporate the TV show Alice. Into oh, yeah. Our, and well, we also got to showcase that the rerun of Alice wrote a book. Because <laughs> 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 that's why the rerun was on, to promote it. Yeah, it was to to plug a book, book. right. Uh, so when we started to do cable stuff, honestly, we didn't have to fight to get airtime because it was us mm-hmm. or a repeat of the school lunches in the town the rest of the day. Just a static menu like message board. Now, you know what's funny? Um, you think that's just there when there's no other programming. So in Arlington, we're lucky. We have a really great community of content makers. We have to schedule the bulletin board because we're contractually obligated to to show that, to give a... a a form to let people know about upcoming events or upcoming meetings. But we actually have to schedule that. And it's grown up, too. If you haven't seen the channel in a while, take a look at it. We have our graphic designers actually go in and, and make it look pretty. So uh, it's up to today's graphical standards. Right. And it's not just one channel that Arlington Media has. It's three separate channels. It's three. And m- most stations in Massachusetts, we're very lucky here. We have almost we have a community media station in almost every city in town. So if you're listening to this and you're in Massachusetts, this probably... You know, like a million-dollar studio right in town. You can go and get training. It's wonderful. Um, but we have three stations. We're called a PEG station, which stands for Public, Education, and Government. Um, although I think our government access coordinator, Sean, would love to play video games and make it stand for G for <laughs> gaming. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I like him already. <laughs> right. He's great. <laughs> but last we have to show the select new meeting, uh-huh. um, which is great. It's like our local C-SPAN. So government, we have it's not just school committee and um, the selectmen, finance, anything you want to find out about what's going on in the town. You can actually watch the meetings if you can't go there. And then there's other people who will make shows analyzing that information, highlighting, um, following the money. Where's the money go from what gets allocated in the meeting to you know somebody on the street? Or we'll have the Council on Aging find out how what money is coming into the town to provide services for people and how they can get access to them. So it's really uh, well, incredible, the, the breadth. Well, it's funny because you said C-SPAN. I know a lot of people think about, oh, that's really entertaining. It was 25, 30 years ago. I accidentally ran for office. And in the process <laughs> of doing in the process of doing that, it became aware to me that who's in the White House is very, very important. But also in your day-to-day life, your school committee has more direct impact on your day-to-day life if you have kids in school mm-hmm. or if you don't. You know, there's federal and state things, but on a local level, who picks up your trash? 
and, and what the town pays for this or what the – I mean those are things that you have a direct say on. Exactly. But a lot of people don't realize the local school committees, the local school boards, the, the dog catcher elections are in some cases a lot more important on a day-to-day basis for the average person. And that's something that I think gets completely overlooked. It does. And I think I think it's interesting, the climate that we live now, I think everything is so politicized. And the advantage to that is that everyone's paying attention. Everyone's really hyper-focused on, on what's going on, where, where, the, where the funds go, who is... You know who who is who are making the decisions that affect our everyday lives, but you can. But basically, right. you, you have debates on TV. Um, you can actually watch the meetings. You can hold people accountable. That's really what we what we're doing. Like there's transparent, there's government transparency. So back back in the day when community media started, government organizations didn't want their meetings filmed. Uh, we had to fight for that. Mm-hmm. So the you know the um, the people who started Arlington Community Media, they would go in with their portable equipment, bring a whole studio on. You know. On, on a cart, on, on, on carts, like, the, like the the, oh, here comes the AV club, <laughs> right? Exactly, and you know, and fight for the right to be in, the, to be in those meetings to let the people know what's happening, to have a, re- a public record of of what debate went into certain issues and and how we came to those decisions, and have a public forum for people to to voice their opinions and really find out that information. And nowadays, we get calls from every meeting, like every committee. All is, we have calls to cover more meetings than we can actually have capacity wow. for. And what's great now is that, you know, now that community media is not just community media, because of the internet, it could be posted on their website and then seen and shared throughout the entire world. Yeah. Uh, a great example of that was the Steve Katzer show for, that we talked yeah. about. That's all over the world. It's, it's, it's airing on, you know, cable in many different countries. My name is Steve Katzos, and it's my dream to help creative people get their art out to the world. That's why... My friends and I have been developing this late-night talk show from New England. To date, our program has aired in 15 countries, all with a budget of zero dollars. That's right, we're volunteers, and we use the power of freedom of speech to create international television shows from a small public studio. And if we can do this, then you can do anything you want to do. Follow your dreams. Uh, but it's not just that show. We have um, a great producer. His name is Alan Kaufman, who does a show called In the Tradition, among many other shows. But that's his flagship show. And recently, he just showed me his analytics of where his show is. His show is all over the world. There's people watching in Iraq and Russia and Australia and New Zealand. Uh, it's amazing. It's everywhere. And the average length that people are watching his show is 11 minutes. Which is that's a huge. long time. That's a long. That's a long time, especially online. I mean, it's great that somebody can come in with an idea or a passion. We can help them get the skills that they need to give them the encouragement and build a community uh, around them and their ideas, and really help them create something that's seen all over the world, uh, not just uh, syndicated in the United States, but really just have access to everywhere. And it also works on the opposite end, too. We have shows that are topical about issues that are affecting all of us all around the world. And using Skype, we can just pipe in guests from all over the planet to be on someone's local community show. It's like, how, is some, how are you connecting the global to local relationship? You, I mean, you, and you also have like a lots of programs that we saw that, you know, because 
Joe and I have no lives and we do a lot of gaming. We <laughs> you had some gaming show that, and I don't know, like it was a kids show, but it was this really kind of cool thing that you had going on. It was great. We have, I mean, anything you're interested in. There's there was a show about. Um, so the kids show, and this is, I have a funny story about that. Hmm. Um, it, it's a game. It's a gaming program. It's basically uh, they have a different theme occasionally. So they'll have young people play old games and old people play new games. <laughs> And sort of like the kids don't know how to figure it out. They don't know why to keep dying, and it's really hard. Right. Or the adults, you know, just running around in a circle in 3D. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Trying, trying to do it like a first-person shooter. So our youth group also covers all of the sport sport games. So they go on the field. They go live. And, you know, video club kids are not necessarily maybe the same people playing all the sports. Mm. Maybe we are, but we're not. <laughs> we're filming the games. And one year we had a batch of kids who didn't really understand how the games will play like where the ball was supposed to go what points are supposed to be what i honestly am not well versed in that either but what we did is we developed a video game show and after we played some fun you know mario type games we started switching to sports games oh and so we had them play um you know madden and uh all other sports games so they would actually learn the rules of sports Figure out where the balls are going to go. What types of shots? Like how does how they being how is the ball being tracked? How are the players being tracked? What's happening overhead? What's happening on the ground? So that they could develop a language and a sense of vision for when they went to cover the sports games. They already had that relationship from their sports show. That's a that's a lot of of uh, legwork to put into something like that, which is fantastic. And when does it start? I mean, can kids? How young do you get kids coming in to do this? We have all ages. So our main youth programs, the middle school has a media program within the middle school. So if you're a middle school student or know somebody, they can join ONN, the Audison News Network, with Edith Morsan over there. She's wonderful. Uh, then we have an after-school high school program where high school students uh, come in. It's called Focus Media. It's a, um, once a week after school. And they film all different types of events, musicians. They can make their own shows. They do interviews. And then ACMI will go to elementary schools to help people uh, film with their iPads, to cover events, do stop animation, that type of thing. And then studio nights is open to all ages. So we have you know, people from 7 to 70 and older and younger sometimes even coming in. See, because, I mean, it's fun. It's like one of the great things about Fitchburg um, – did I just say? Uh, that's a I know. Like, start to well, I know. But <laughs> at the same time, when I got into Fitchburg, uh, got into Fitchburg, I opened the door. When I started to go to Fitchburg in '89, I had uh, a stepbrother who was going to Emerson. And the funny thing is, day one of Fitchburg, you could just check out anything you want. There was no wait. There was no. If the camera's here, go ahead. Take it, bring it home. And the same thing when Joe started working, you know, doing the cable show. You're 15, and it's like. Oh, here's the camera, and here's a three the 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 typical like the gigantic briefcase three light. Kit. I didn't even have a driver's license, and I'm <laughs> hauling away like ten thousand dollar cameras. Yeah, and the great thing about that, there weren't a lot of programs to teach you how to do it, but it's like I've come from the school of thought, and I've found this out myself working in the industry so long. The only way to really learn is is to actually do it. It's great that you have these programs that you can also incorporate it, and it's also great. What I think is encouraging, it sees the light of day. Yeah. And again, you went to you went to Fitchburg. There's so many people who do these student films that other than the people in the class, you know, back then would never see them. Right. Here's a cable access show that gets syndicated globally. And again, where you have so much eye candy and you have, you know, all the bells and whistles and it's posted on YouTube, Twitter, you know, wherever the 
the kids put things and it looks <laughs> and it looks great. Snapchat. I mean, right. There's no there's no reason to not do something knowing that it's going to get seen or it's going to get out there. It's not going to just die in a basement. Well, yeah. yeah. And just the access to the software available, like the, the post-production software that you can get at a public, or uh, sorry, community media. I'm old school, man. I can't <laughs> stop saying public access. I don't know what to name this episode. Public access or community media? Uh, that, <laughs> or or, or, or uh, Wayne's World Grow. I, right. I keep referencing that because honestly, that's, when, when Joe and I were doing a show, that that's what it's the only thing we could tell people about. It's like, oh, you have a comedy show? What's it like? Well, where do I see it? It's kind of like Wayne's World. It's on it's on access. You know, go to you know, you know where you see menus for the lunches or this the one camera shoot of the with bad audio <laughs> oh, and you know, <laughs> and somebody automatically like accidentally leaving like the autofocus on. So <laughs> as one person would walk to ask a question at one of these town hall meetings, it would fuzz everything out for about five or six <laughs> seconds. I mean that's what it used to be. Well think about what people people when people come into community TV what they're watching on TV, their, their frame of reference is Game of Thrones and Ellen. Like the, the bar is so high with what's on television these days that people that people come into a vision that really is a challenge, kind of bridging what they want to do with the quality that their friends and family and strangers are going to watch. So that's why community media is really so important. You could you could open up your laptop and record something off of your laptop camera or your iPhone, and you can do a lot with your iPhone. But it's not just the technology it really is the technique and really learning how to create something and having a coach and having some support that's a spotter basically right, like, exactly yeah. and so that's what we, that's what community media really that's what we really try to do at least at ACMI is really set you up with someone who's going to be your coach your cheerleader and make sure you're going to create something that you're proud of and learn a lot as you go through progressively you know day 1 we're not going to let anybody walk out with something that's out of focus that's a single camera <laughs> like you're going to walk away with something that that hopefully even bigger than you imagined and sustainable and connect you with the people that can actually keep you going. Well, and, and like you, you've already hinted at it, the best part that for me doing the podcast is doing it with a friend. And like you said, the yep. whole, the whole thing, if you're walking in there and whether it's just your studio nights where you might know some people you're meeting up with there or not know people when you get there and come away with ideas for stuff that again, everybody has great ideas, but in a situation like this, you can go from idea to actually making something happen. Oh yeah, most our average time when people come in with an idea to meet with us to when they have a pilot is about four to five weeks. So you can come in and about you know a little bit more than a month later have something real. You're not just going to be you know talking the talk. You're going to be walking the walk and uh, having some friends hopefully <laughs> that you can uh, go and make more shows with and have access to equipment. So you come in with one idea with yourself. And you leave with a community, a crew, millions of dollars in access to equipment, a syndication network, and really just the the support to keep going. Like when Joe and I started doing this back then, they were just so thankful to have anything. It seems like now it becomes like you guys have so much stuff. It becomes how do you schedule it all in? I actually <laughs> – that is a question I've always had. So when I you – know, from when I've been there to now, we've you know increased – I don't know the exact numbers, but it's gotten busier. We've, quality standards have gotten even better. So I actually um, just last year spent a few years leading up to it getting it um, certified in project management just to keep up with nice. <laughs> as, as a PMP, just to really keep up in, with the flow and figure out how do we 
reach our goals, uh, satisfy our stakeholders, essentially, you know, the people that are coming into the community and also the viewers, and create something that's sustainable that can keep can keep growing. And so, you know, I, I came into this world with the TV background, and now I have this whole project management background just just to kind of keep up with the the workflow and the quality that we're trying to to keep up with so you know education always trying to learn more to to, to create a product i think it's great and it's something that's not really i don't know like discussed like you see like we were talking about like everybody has their own youtube channel now everybody has their own you know snapchat their iphone like there are they have an instant television network to you know the five like our podcast like five people listen to this <laughs> you know um but six I'm, i'll be listening right exactly <laughs> our newest listener um that, apologize now <laughs> right that's how we keep the podcast going is that we just keep inviting people to join us on, on our podcast but you know now now yeah it's it, it's important to sort of like n- let people know that yeah you can actually do a, a much better version of your crappy one camera yeah. basement show in a studio with lights and people who know how to light things and, <laughs> and uh, post-production software and editing software that costs thousands of dollars that you can't afford on your you know $10 an hour job. Interesting question. I was thinking this. So you guys, when they put on YouTube, who owns it? Like you, somebody comes in and does a, mm-hmm. a show, be whatever it is, uh, who whose YouTube channel does it go on? Does it go on, you know, Joe's YouTube channel? Does it go on the station's YouTube channel? Does it go on my you who has ownership of the stuff that is is produced? So the owner's always with the producer. So if you come in and you have a show that's your idea, um, it's yours. So it's not like, you know, Tetris, you invent it, we're gonna take all the proceeds from it <laughs> forever. No, it's really it's your show. We're really the purpose of community media is to help you execute your First Amendment right. We want you to have a, a voice. To promote free speech and really share who you are. To he's taking a knee as he's saying this. So just to let everybody <laughs> Cheers, know. Coming to my ass. <laughs> and so it's nonprofit. We're not even really connected with the government. We're our own independent nonprofit. Um, we're paid for by the cable subscribers. So when you when you um, have cable in your home, a, a portion of that comes back to your community for community access. So it's, you're already paying for all of this. We're here because you paid for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you own the rights. What we do is we'll have permission to air it in the community. So that's sort of the trade-off. If you create something with us, we want to be able to share it uh, in kind with the community forever. But essentially, the, the new things that are, are always coming up. So if you're entering a film festival and you need it not to be airing anywhere, that's fine. Put in the film festival. When you win all your awards, let us know. Then we'll start airing it on television. Um, you want to put it online. We have a, an on-demand service or access on our website, acmi.tv. And the way it works is it actually patches through YouTube or Vimeo and pulls those videos into our page. And we want to drive traffic to your video. And so we'll have you put it on your own YouTube page, but then we'll route your video through our website. So essentially, we'll get the website hit, you'll get the video view. And, and, and now when you said like some of the shows that you have are seen all over the place, is it just they're being seen in other cable stations? But when you're talking abroad, are you talking cable stations in those different countries? Like at one point you mentioned Iraq. I mean, yeah. I, that, must have, that must have been online. I think there was a Vimeo, a Vimeo view. So somebody had okay. some sort of proxy and gone. Right. <laughs> somebody had a VPN somewhere. VPN and yeah. to watch a show. But it's, it's, it's amazing that's still even made. And syndication is still a big thing. The internet plays into that. We recently have a children's show called Hugh Hanley's Circle of Songs, or Songs from the Circle, depending if it's a concert or a specific episode, they flip. Mm-hmm. And he's made 
uh, well, he's been making a show for years, and now he's decided he wants to branch out out of Arlington and really share his product with the world. Concrete? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the whole world, the whole entire world. And so we have this, this two media platforms to do that. There's um, Telview Connect, which is mostly in Massachusetts. It also happens to be on the coast, so I think it's a lot of the coastal cities pick that up. So what you'll do is just submit your show, give us a description, and we'll post it online, and then other access centers will get a newsletter each each week letting them know what the latest shows are. And so if you keep your show to exactly 28 minutes or 58 minutes, other stations can pull it into their um, scheduling uh, real easily. And then once you have – once you're in four different towns, four different centers – at that point, you can be uploaded to what's called PEG Media, again, public education and government, and that's national. And then you can be picked up anywhere else mm-hmm. in the country. And, and how many shows do you think you have going now that are on the PEG Network? Well, the Cat Show, the Steve Cat Show show is on, on the PEG Network, but um, mostly right now they're on the Telview Connect because they actually has a pretty countrywide reach already. And there's a little bit more work involved to get the episodes to an exact length and specifications for that larger outbranch. But we have... Three different shows right now on syndication, and we have more people, more and more people are asking to take it on. And and recruitment and and new people coming in. It's like, what what is the outreach to get people to know what you're doing? Besides doing a crappy Bes- podcast, <laughs> <laughs> or oh, are <laughs> no, this, this podcast is great, and I never get to be on. Like I said earlier, I never get to be on on this side of the the speaking side. I guess I never get to be on the speaking side. I'm always in the control room, making sure everything is, is up and running, or or sending out emails. It's fun to just kind of come in and. and well, say, if you want to edit this podcast, I can <laughs> just send you the raw footage. And <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but do you guys? I mean, is there a steady flow of like new people yeah, coming have, in? We and, have a steady flow of new people coming in all the time. We do outreach by going to townwide events, it's like Town Day. It's a big festival in Arlington, and we'll we'll try to showcase a lot of our videos. Have our producers come in. Word of mouth is a big one. Um, you know, you have one person in your show, they get another buddy to work on the show with And then you. they tell two friends. And so on. And so on. Yeah, and so <laughs> forth. <laughs> um, also, we do, we try to have a lot of events. We try to really create events and activities that people will like. So studio nights, for example, we have a consistent group that's every Wednesday night. We also have a Arlington Public News Department. So we have local news right in Arlington, about Arlington, made by Arlington residents. And um, people come in through that way. They were interviewed on the, new, the news, or they see the news, or they're interested in politics and what's going on. So they come in and get trained for the news. Um, or other events, like the a crowd tour Boston. Yeah. We thought that would be a really fun way to get creative people to come in. So we're always looking out for film festivals uh, or putting on festivals. Earlier this summer, we put on a Fido Fest, so it's a dog video festival. It was outdoors and a big, like a big screen and the Spy Pond Field, and we had dogs come. They could bring their humans with them to watch the movies they made. Nice. And it was a lot of fun. So we are just trying everything we can, events, film festivals. And the kids in schools, too. You know, like, that's right. a big thing. Yeah. Uh, and so you've been with them for five years now? Almost. It's, it's been four and a half. Four and a half years. And, and, and is this, like, a, something – because, you know – Again, my friend, I, I think I already mentioned her, Kim, who works down at the Plymouth Station. She's been in cable a long time. I'm not going <laughs> right, exactly. to But, it, but it, it seems like something that is like, you know, uh, you can get into and, and have your whole career there. Yeah, it's great. I, had, I actually grew up in community media. Um, when I was a kid, I uh, grew up in Stoneham, Massachusetts. So I was part of Stone TV when I was just a, you know, a, a student. I really, I loved it. I would hog the, the, the technical director, like switcher all the yep. time. No one else was allowed to use it. I would just cut between 
the same shots even as long as it's like a star wipe or fade to black in the middle of an interview. I loved it. I wouldn't let anyone else touch it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> right. You're like commander of the Death Star. There. Like, yeah, that- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was warp speed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pull the lever. Um, and then I got a little older and started to volunteer on their events. And then in high school, I would get uh, I was hired to cover government meetings. And then uh, later on in high school, I was there administrative assistant and then throughout college I worked there as their production and training coordinator uh, I worked there a little bit after college then then I went off to be a script supervisor lived in New York for a few years came back uh, and, was script supervising for what anything fun oh yeah lots of stuff and I, I, and I still script supervise from time to time uh, a lot of Hasbro commercials toy commercials oh, nice. um, independent films HBO Showtime HGTV like all the all the major all the major players it was, it was a lot of fun but community media is great for work-life balance. I love being able to help people, watch them grow, um, provide training. Um, it's just nice. It's, it's really great to work with people who have creative vision and motivated by their dreams and helping them make their dreams come true. It's just, I mean, what, what could be a better way to spend a day working? Do you have an, uh, a this was my favorite show moment? Do you have a favorite story from like any show that you've worked on that you're like, this was great. This was really great. Or do you have a, oh my God, I can't believe I had to work on that. Please, <laughs> please have that person never come back in with another idea again. Oh man, pick a, pick a favorite. This is corny. It's like that. They're all my favorite. Um, we we uh, say that about our kids, but yeah. right, we, we really know. That we know. Yeah. You know what? I, the Steve Katzer show is interesting. When I first got hired to work at the Earnings Community Media almost five years ago, four and a half years ago, I came in and I've never seen anything like that in community media either. It's really special and unique. And it's on Tuesday nights and it goes all the way basically till 10 o'clock at night. And when I first got there, I was really overwhelmed with the level of engineering and complexity and just dealing with, you know, they have an, a crew of 40 people and audience of over 10 and and the guest, I, I, I don't even know. It's probably close to 80 people there once a week when they're filming. And when I first started working there, I really, I really felt overwhelmed and kind of stressed out and apprehensive about you know, the and they were already job. four years into it. Right, and they were already four years into it, and it was, it was really stressful for me. So I guess this is my hate it and love it. So when I first started, I really had a hard time keeping up with everything that was there because there was so much going on. Um, and it really was one of those things that I gained skills and became more competent in the, the audio engineering and the video engineering and just dealing with people and getting to know them and kind of getting their acceptance. Now it's one of my favorite things that I do look forward to that I love to promote. But for a long time, it really caused me a lot of stress having to I mean, any like, people that speed. is a lot. I it mean, is. It, oh, is yeah. it is a lot of people. But, uh, you know, you kind of grow with it and rise to the challenge, which I think is the whole thing of Steve's show. It's, you know, follow your dreams. And it really... Um, you know, it's one of those things where I can look back and thought this was so much, and now when I go, it's it's great and it's a lot of fun to deal with people. And you, it's kind of like uh, I can measure myself. I can measure I can measure my journey at ACMI through that show. Right. It's a, it's a gauntlet that you have to go through to sort of check to see if this is something you really wanted to do, or if it's just sort of a fancy that you're maybe not that into, or and and the stick to itiveness. Like that's the thing is you have to keep going back each and every week and stick with it and learn and grow with it. Not like what we do here. We just <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, it's, and it's interesting, like, for my own journey, I, I grew up in media, making shows, working in, uh, you know, professional crews and sets all the time. And working on the community media has really 
kind of made me fall in love. But I always still in love with video. Video always going to be my, my first love. But really, just like the project management side of, and like the the, the people side, and, and basically finding how do you support all of these people with basically free. There's no resources. I mean, we have equipment and supplies, but like how how you support all these people with zero budgets, right? Making these shows, and I've really kind of grown to love that whole. Um, the production side. The production side and sort of figuring out like allocating resources and people and trying to create aggressive like timetables. So from the, the day you conceive something to the throughput when it's out on TV, like how do we compress that so we can get more people coming in and provide more resources for the staff and for the community? Um, just by asking all those questions, it's really been something that's in my own life that I, I'm very passionate about now that I wasn't necessarily when I came in thinking about it on the, uh, abstracting that level. Now, when you when you go to um, other other towns and you work with other towns and cables and, and quite sure there's like you know conventions or gatherings of people with yeah. your does everybody share the same because you have a lot of passion I mean seriously <laughs> I mean he's like like glowing like a Christmas tree as he's saying this it's not it's like ninety percent of the stuff that I say is pure bullshit and, you know and it's like oh no it's really great to be here like, uh. like you know but but you you you're either an amazing actor or you really are passionate about this and is that typical of the people who work in this field oh absolutely it really is i think um you know the people who work in community media are really passionate about a lot of things i think first and foremost they're passionate about community that that is the first thing if you don't have a community you don't have anything you have a bunch of it's in the name community media yeah community media really is the most important thing like um uh you have a dedication to you know service really figuring like you're working with other nonprofits, you're working with artists, you're working with people that have creative aspirations or educational aspirations, you're working with other small businesses, you're working with, you're constantly in the thick of all of these people trying to communicate what they're doing, to try to get more people to work with them, to try to create something beautiful and attractive and ongoing, and to be able to build a system or train people on how to use equipment or connect them with somebody else that they go and create something that's bigger than they ever could have before or watch an organization grow or watch an intern even come in and have the theory but really develop the skills and you know go on local news some and other affiliate stations it's really um i think a lot of access professionals really share that love of watching something grow and helping to to see you know all of these different pieces to let things flourish to get bigger and bigger um next time because we always we're always starting with new people we're always coming in with people who don't know how to have those uh, their skills and then we get them to a certain level and they they go off they either move on to you know the real um you know network world or they're forming their own groups they don't need us so much anymore so you really have to have a love of educating fostering growth and watching people succeed now if to put you completely on the spot oh, okay. when you you when you're saying about um about like basically a love for the first amendment have you ever had to deal with let's say some fine folks from Charlottesville want to come in and they want their show. How do you, I mean, you got, you have to leave like your ideology out the door, sort of speak. Yeah. I'm guessing. Have you ever had to deal with that? Like, Oh really? I'm, I'm, I'm helping the white people power hour <laughs> get off the ground and find their audience. <laughs> like Alex Jones knocks on, <laughs> on the door this week and says, Hey, you know, I kind of want to do a show here. And my friend Rush Limbaugh is going <laughs> to stop by. And- well, not not even just that. I mean, that sometimes even people want to air a show in their community because that's part of their town, their station. So 
Um, yeah, we've definitely had had to deal. I've had to deal with that in the past. Arlington, not so much. Arlington tends to be a pretty, pretty blue town. Yeah. Um, but you know, other places where I've worked, we had people come in that don't necessarily have the same same view that I do. But it's not it's not about me. It's really about like they have their tiki torches, let's say. And then, well, well, mm. okay. Well, there's there's a line between hate speech and and free speech. Yeah, I, I, I believe I believe right. that. Not necessarily everybody would agree with me. <laughs> there, um, but I'm sure that there is sort of like a, a right to refuse certain. No, do you the, have a no shoes, no shirt, no service? Right. Sign? Well, no, we have we we um we're actually going through and, and rewriting our, our user like user policies right now. As a matter of fact, and we, we're having these discussions as as a staff. Like, how do we what do we decide what is allowed um, versus what what constitutes maybe something that's disingenuous that that crosses a line. Hmm. And that's and it gets harder and harder these days to figure out what that is. But um obviously if it's def- if it's you go on t- TV to defame somebody or um just spew hatred, right. that's not going to be tolerated. But you know if you if you're a citizen in this government here and you have a certain belief and you want to convince people of your ideas or you want to share your ideas um so people aren't living necessarily in a bubble all the time you mm-hmm. want to get outside of ideas. that's what we're going to that's what we're going to be here to support and the key thing about community media is not you know it's not my tv station it's not just yours it's, it's everybody's so we have to be inclusive and that's really important especially in a world that's beginning becoming so, so much more polarizing i think hearing ideas having discussions and you know, just listening and watching to people who we don't necessarily agree with is, is not a bad thing to to keep going. I, I know, I know that's kind of like a a load <laughs> a, a load of question, but I want yeah. you know because honestly, if I if you know if I was in that position and somebody came in, it's like I don't know how much I could be like, oh, you know, this is this is what you're shooting. You might want to shoot it like this because it looks better. This is a really <laughs> great way to incorporate social media into your thing, like I would something else. So I, I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, it's always biased on how much you want to get involved with with something, but you know. I always have to be careful, even with things I do agree with. If I, if any one of our, st- if any staff, and and I have just so to put it out there, I have, we have our executive director Norm and our studio manager, you know Jeff, and they really are paramount in creating the type of station that we run, and they do a great job, and we, have, we get to help a lot of different people. If any one of our, you know, anyone on staff, if you have to decide how much are you going to help, because whatever you do for one person, it's not fair if you don't do it for everybody else. You have to provide the same level of service. Like, I've had people come in with have different political opinions, or even even some, even um, different sort of opinions where they think the money should go in town. Because we're dealing with government. It's not just someone's ideas or someone's shouting out through the window. A lot of people want to respond directly to government meetings that they saw, respond directly to officials or people running that they agree or disagree with. And what we'll try to do to keep things fair is provide a platform and opportunity for the other side. So if we have a Democrat come in and during an election, for example, and they want to have a discussion, we'll go, th- we'll go to them and say, instead of just having a discussion with another Democrat, what do you think about you know, us? We'll reach out to- for you and get the Republican view or the independent view, and we can have a debate. So we really do encourage that. We'll reach out to other have, have you done some of that? Yeah, we have. So we actually won a hometown media award, which is a national recognition uh, from the Alliance for Community Media, the whole nas- uh, national community media organization for um, st- state Debate state level debates that we've run at Arlington Community Media. So were they fair and balanced? They were fair. They were fair and balanced debates. Actually, and that's part of what our news and government 
department really work on. We have a certain allocated amounts of time. Um, everyone gets a chance to speak. Everyone is invited, um, and everyone has a chance to respond. And we have moderators who who do their best to con- make that conversation happen. So it's not so much what my view is or what someone else's view or your view is. If you want to come in and put the work and put the dedication into creating a show about something that you're passionate about and you're open to hear other ideas and open to improving and opening and have an open to this discussing things with everybody else with, you know, who cares about my personal opinion? It's really about <laughs> their personal opinion. Yeah. Um, how do people get in touch with you if you want people to get in touch well, with you? Well, you can... Oh, you're talking to John. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, not you, Joe. No one wants to get in touch with us. Uh, okay, well, if you want to get in touch with Arlington Community Media, uh, you can visit our website at acmi.tv. You can also schedule an appointment to get a tour of the place, or do you want to come and just watch shows with us or um, learn to make, make a show, you can uh, call us at 781-777-1115. If you want to email me directly, uh, you can do so at jonathan at acmi.tv. And if you're just listening and you're interested in, in project management like I am, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Jonathan Barbado. Could you spell that? Cause, cause yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. It's my last name, Barbado, B-A-R-B-A-T-O. How how would uh, you know if we if we move the show to your station? How do the defunct sponsors fit in? Are we allowed to keep getting that sweet sweet defunct sponsor money because it's you know it flows. You're highly encouraged <laughs> to continue to, to uh, continue that. And I really I would hope you guys come in and, and do a TV show version of this. It'd be really great. Um, I don't think the public wants that. Oh, I, I just don't know how we could get the shelf of shame. You oh know, God! There, uh, you know, because how could we do our thing with green screen, my friend? Oh, green okay. Okay. Or, or, or you could just do it here. I, I have a whole vision. I can, I can picture it now. We'll just we'll light these your awesome shelves with like blue yeah. and red LED lights coming from the bottom. How much electricity do you think I have down here? <laughs> <laughs> I have knob and tube wiring, my friend. This right. is... We we have battery powered lights that we can, that we oh, can, that we can okay. do it with some gel. All right. We, the, the other thing I wanted to mention is that um, you know a lot of like, three of us we we're, we're pretty we have a lot of production skills and production experience. I mean you. you kind of built this whole studio down here and you know you've been out to Los Angeles and I've had my whole life in media. But if you're listening and you have an idea for a TV show or even doesn't necessarily need to be that involved. If you have an idea of something that you want to share or a talent or you think you know cool people who might even know cool people that they want to showcase, you know, come into ACMI or your local community station wherever you are and just just talk to somebody because um, we're gonna you don't need to have the skills coming in. We hope you don't because we wanna we want to help you grow those skills. We want to mold you and sculpt you into our image. Now, yeah, now, yes. now, now, now you got to be careful throwing that out there because, like, where Joe and I, you know, when we when we had a show that was was doing pretty okay, when we were doing stand up, you would have people come up all the time. It's like, I got this idea. This guy meets this girl, and a bunch of stuff happens. And then, um, what do you think of that? You know, and you're like, oh, that's fantastic and then i'll say well why don't you become a member and and then we'll sit down and do take off a, the tinfoil hat <laughs> we'll take we'll have a pre-production meeting i mean a lot of people come in um like for example um i we have a we have a new member who just joined and she's a holistic nurse and she's had a whole her, her whole journey of you know working in, in western medicine and kind of exploring eastern medicine and wanting people to really explore options to be able to talk to their doctor. And she knows that that's what she's done personally. And she came in because it seemed like a fun thing to do. And she saw other people working on their shows and talked to other people who do health shows or nature shows. And, they re- and she's got inspired to make her own program. And so last week we, sh- we just met and sort of talked about how do we 
how do we take what she's done and her own background and turn that into a show? Like what? A wacky she- sitcom? Oh, no. <laughs> no, but like so the like, neighbor <laughs> is this guy who. <laughs> yeah, well, like a talk show. Like, if she, do you have knowledge? If you have knowledge and you've had, you've been in, in a certain industry for a lot of years, or retired, or you are maybe changing careers, and you want to share what you've already learned, or you want to document your journey, come in. I mean, everybody has so much to share, and the, the more we create, the the more of us that we can. All of us can can share in that knowledge. It's not just trapped with one person. Well, the one thing that I've taken away from this conversation and learning about community media is that there is absolutely no money in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there there's no money. But if people recognize you in town and you have a favorite place to eat, maybe they'll give you some free food. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, well, also you can you can get sponsored. So, actually, yeah, we you, you guys had a pizza sponsor. Oh, back in the old days. Yeah, but yeah. you actually did, right? No, they gave us pizza. They, yeah, they, they sponsored us with pizza. Yeah, yeah, so, they, that's, right? that. but we produced a commercial for it. Right, right, right. No, I which remember. I don't know how legal that was, but whatever. Yeah, it, it, it depends station by station. Yeah, it's, it's not a commercial; it's a sponsorship. Exactly. So. Right. 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 So, Jonathan, thank you so much for making time to come over here. And taking, I mean, first of all, you took a risk to come over to some two really strange house. guys' house. Yeah, a stranger's oh, house. Oh, <laughs> we're going to do this show in our, in our basement. basement. Right. Leave your phone outside. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, come on in here. Um, no, that, that doesn't have anything to do with, like, Saw or Hostel or any. <laughs> no bad movie has ever started with that premise. But seriously, thank you so much. We're, we will put all, like, you know, the address and in, in your emails up on up on the page. You know when the show posts. That's great, and I'll send. I'll give you the date for the Back to the Future screening. That you should definitely check that out. Oh, we oh definitely yes. will. Yeah. yeah, and so if you do, those of you who are still listening to our podcast, if you want to <laughs> find all of these uh, wonderful links, uh, please visit us on our Facebook page, Carnival Personnel or Carnival Podcast. I, I, I screwed that up. Yeah, Carnival Podcast. I really screwed that Wait, up. Want to do it again? It's part. Of, it's Carnival. No, I don't want to do it. <laughs> it's Carnival. You're lying, pod- George. You're lying. I know, right? I, I say five things in this entire podcast, and I flub the one line. No, but it's Carnival Podcast on Facebook, Carnival Podcast on Twitter. It should be Carnival Personnel, but I underestimated the spelling ability of our audience to spell personnel. Is it one right. N, two N, two, it's two, two, N, two L, Ns, two Ns, one L, and a partridge in a character. And the number three is silent. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, follow us there, and then you'll see all of the great links to acmi.tv and Jonathan's information. Thank you again, Jonathan. And most importantly, please do not forget 